1: must rest our hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That doesn't lessen the need of obedience in our lives because we are his dear children. It simply redirects the reason behind it. The reason for our obedience and the focus of our lives to conduct our lives in holiness is because of the greatness of His love with which He loved us. Not in order to gain it. He died for us while we were still
0: sinners. The Word of God says that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. In this amazing act of grace, God proved His great love for us. In today's message, Pastor David teaches us that we cannot earn the Lord's favor and love through obedience. Christ's death demonstrated that we already have God's love. Instead, we obey Jesus in response to what He did for us. In other words, our obedience should come out of abundant love and thanksgiving, not because we're working to earn God's favor. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, The Hope of Grace, from 1 Peter chapter 1.
1: gives the Philippians instruction and you and I he gives instruction on how we need to guard our minds or you might say how we need to gird up the loins of our minds he says that finally brethren whatever things are true whatever things are noble whatever things are just and whatever things that are pure Whatever things that are lovely, whatever things that are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on those things. In other words, put your mind, your focus on those things. And he says, the things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, this is the ultimate in mind control. I love that. No, it's not the mind control that the evil empire does over the conquered peoples, you know, boom. No, it is internal and it is purposeful and it is personal and deliberate drawing of our own minds to the things of God. When we know that left to its own, Our mind responds way too quickly to outside circumstances. When left to its own, our our mind desires to wander into the world and into the flesh. Or is it just a small boat that I'm in and it's just me that way? As believers... We have this ongoing, this lifelong responsibility to set our affection on things above and not on things of the earth. That's what we're called to as believers. That's why Paul, that that great epistle or apostle of grace speaks throughout all of his letters. That idea that you and I, though there is an abundance of grace that God pours out, yet you and I need to take personal responsibility To put off the old man and that old way of living and thinking. And we, through the help of the Holy Spirit, we need to continually be putting on the new man which was created in true righteousness and holiness according to God's plan. He tells us this in Ephesians 4. Oh, but I thought there was grace. There is grace. But with that grace comes a great responsibility for each believer. Coming back now to 1 Peter, Peter tells us to guard up the loins of our mind. and I feel that basically what he's saying is, you need to get your head screwed back on right. Because in this world, man, it it, it spins out of control way too often. Because of all that Christ has done on our behalf, you and I have that great responsibility to do that for us to gird up the loins of our mind, for us to refocus and guard and keep our minds in Christ Jesus. That's your responsibility. Oh, but you know, I just figured I could pray and say, Lord, if you really want me to be that way, then just wave a magic hand over me and get that all straightened. But God says, no, I've saved you by grace. But in the midst of that grace, you need to put off the old. You need to put on the new you need to guard your mind you need to be thinking and processing things the next thing that peter tells us is not only girding up the loins of your mind but he says to be sober to be sober that word translated sober comes from a greek word nepho n-e-p-h-o for those of you taking notes NAFO does carry with it that idea of not being controlled or overwhelmed by wine or strong drink or other substances, prescription or non-prescription, whatever the case may be. But in in the writings of both Peter and Paul, that word is most often used in the context of being right-minded. Being discreet, being watchful, and yes, even that idea of being prudent. Now, we've looked at that word prudent as we've been in 1st Peter, and remember, being prudent doesn't mean that you're a prude, okay? Being prudent means that you live your life with an understanding of the consequences of choices that you make. So if I do that, let me stop before I do it and consider the consequences. Beloved, that's being prudent. It's the the one that just goes headlong, helter-skelter through life, making no real determination. Wow, if I do that, or if I act that way, or if I go that way, or if I say that, or if I respond that way, what's going to happen? The prudent man guards his way. In the context of what Peter is saying here, He's saying to be sober, it deals with the ability and the practice of being right-minded. Now, being right-minded has absolutely nothing to do with right brain, left brain, okay? That's not what he's saying. No, it deals with right mind or wrong mind. That's what he's speaking We need to keep ourselves in balance. We need to be aware of what's going on in our life, in the life around us, and yes, even in the world around us. We need to be able to focus correctly on the right things, and we need to always have Christ as the center frame of our mind. I don't know about you, but I find that is extremely difficult to do at times. I believe that it was difficult for the first century believers because Jesus spoke about it so much, because the apostles wrote about it so much, about how we ought to live. They wrote about our responsibility, the choices that we have to make. And beloved, I believe that now difficulty in this 21st century continues on. It does not happen automatically. It's not a natural thing for you and I, even as believers, to be that way. It requires effort. It requires. Concentration. It requires living a life of intentionality. In other words, I have a purpose and an intention of living my life to the glory of Christ, to the honor of God. I am his child. I want to be pleasing in his sight. So again, I go back to the words of the Apostle Paul. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 5. He says, Paul, or he said, Timothy, you be watchful in all things. And the very same word that Paul uses there as watchful is that word nepho, that Peter here, uh, it's translated in 1 Peter as sober. It's that idea, mentally alert, prepared, not easily thrown off balance, but always ready for action. There's going to be a lot of times in the lives of us as believers, all of us as believers, That the Holy Spirit will speak to you, giving you direction, giving you a leading in your life. Now, during those times, I guess the question comes, are you listening and are you prepared? Because more often than not, that word from the Lord comes as that still small voice. Sometimes we wish he would just say, hey, with a two-by-four, wake me up, and then give me your word. But God usually doesn't work that way if he doesn't have to. It was back uh, in the end of the 19th century, late 1800s. It was back when, um, when, when telegrams were the primary way of communicating over long distance. And a telegraph company was looking to hire one more telegrapher to their company. And so they put an ad out in the paper. And on the day that they were taking the applications for a new telegrapher, uh, suddenly their, their lobby was filled with dozens scores of, of young men with the anticipation, the excitement of being able to get that job. And just the excitement of getting the job with this company was just huge in the room. You could feel it in the room as they would talk with each other and laugh and and kind of share their backgrounds together, and during all of that time, they paid absolutely no attention to what was coming over the loudspeaker there into the lobby. And coming into the lobby through the loudspeakers, as these guys were talking and joking and carrying along, was a series of dots and dashes. Da, 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 Suddenly, one of the men jumps up goes running through the lobby, down a hallway, and into a door. A moment or two later, he comes out and he says, I got it. I got it. And they looked at him and says, what do you mean you got it? He said, while you were all busy talking and laughing and sharing with each other, I heard the dots and the dashes, and I interpreted them, interpreted them, and what they were is, whoever is able to hear this and interpret its meaning, come directly to the owner's office, you get the job. How often the Lord is speaking to us, and yet because our mind isn't set, because we're not sober of thought, we miss what he's speaking and what he's telling us. We miss the direction he's telling us to go. The third thing that we see there in verse 13 is that we need to rest our hope. He says, rest your hope. We need to understand that all of our hope, all of our hope is found in the reality of the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, rest your hope fully, fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The fact is, what else is there that we can rest our hope in? We sang this song just a moment ago. Where else can I go, Lord? Where else can I go? You alone have the word of life. I can't rest my hope in the world system. Peter tells us in in his second letter that all of this is going to burn. Everything that, that we see, everything that we can touch right now is going to burn. This world system is not going to be here for very long. I cannot rest my hope in these things. What about resting my hope in my abilities? Whether you know it or not, I'm pretty good at some things. I tell that to you very humbly, but uh, I, I am pretty good at some things, okay? But I'm also smart enough to know that I'm not near good enough in most things. Turn with me back to the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 12, if I rest in my own abilities... If my hope is found in my own abilities, what's going to happen with that? In Luke chapter 12, Jesus speaks a parable to his followers down in verse 16. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Then in verse 20, we read these words But God said to him, Fool, now, that's one word that you don't want God to ever say to you. Okay, just you can just mark that down. You don't want God to call you a fool. God said to him, "Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? What good were the things that he had accomplished? All that he had accomplished in life. Of what value really were they. Do you realize that every one of us, we are virtually one heartbeat away from the limit of our abilities? One heartbeat. And it could all change, totally. I can't rest my hope on what I'm able to do. But what about religion? What, what about our abilities to maintain righteousness and holiness? Because isn't that really now, aren't we really now, isn't that really the focus of what he's saying here? Because the next couple of verses, Peter is going to tell us, back in First Peter, he's going to tell us that he who called you is holy, so you also need to be holy in all your conduct. Because it's written, be holy for I am holy. So is that what I'm to rest my hope in? My ability to continually live up to that standard? Don't be too quick to answer. Because there are some, and I believe possibly even some in here today, that believe that very thing. That yes, it is the grace of God that saves you, but it's your performance following that that keeps you. Then we read this passage peter is, as as that great apostle with apostolic authority he 's telling us what it is for us to be as obedient children he says we 're to no longer be conformed to our own lust as in our ignorance and oh yeah we we remember back in our own ignorance don't we uh, we can we can know exactly how we used to live outside of Christ how our minds used to live some of you you could probably stop long enough you'd remember of it, how easily how easily your life was led by the things of the world because that's all you were focused on you'd be able to recall what your life was like without Christ that's the times of our ignorance he says don't don't be that way anymore the problem is is many of you find yourselves wandering back there every once in a while, don't you? But you're not alone. All too often I find myself in that same place. Sometimes I find my my attitude, I find my actions far from the things that would give glory to my Savior. There's times when I find my mind is far away from whatever things are True or or noble or or just or, or pure or lovely. Far away from the things that it would be of good report. In times like that, I realize my heart, my thoughts, they're not focused on things of virtue. They're not focused on anything praiseworthy. Now that might disappoint some of you that me as your pastor might say that. But you see, it's also in those times that the Holy Spirit of God, who is within me, continues to speak to me. He reveals once again in my life the love of Christ on my behalf. And once again, I'm reminded that outside of Christ, that within me, that is within my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Nothing. So can my hope rest on religion or my ability to faithfully walk in obedience? It's in those times that I have to cry out the very words of the hymnist that wrote, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And some of you might say, oh, but wait, pastor, that's a cop-out. We, we still have this responsibility to live our lives for his glory. We are still called to obedience. And to that, I would say, amen and amen, we are. We do have that great responsibility and that calling in our lives by God to live our lives unto him and to his glory. We are created to glorify him forever. We're created, as Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians. He says, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. We have that responsibility as believers. But our hope and our rest can never be found in our ability to fulfill those things. We must rest our hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That doesn't lessen the need of obedience in our lives because we are his dear children. It simply redirects the reason behind it. The reason for our obedience and the focus of our lives to conduct our lives in holiness is because of the greatness of his love with which he loved us, not in order to gain it, he died for us while we were still sinners. And Now because we are his children, we obey him out of love and honor and respect for who he is. We are called to live our lives, as Peter says in verse 14, as obedient children, not conforming ourselves to our former lusts as in our ignorance. But as he who has called us is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct, because it's written, be holy, for I am holy. But our hope, beloved, our hope can never be found in our abilities to fulfill our commitments. Our hope has to be found only in him who is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He's the one that's able to keep it. That's why we need to understand that whenever darkness veils his lovely face, we need to rest in his unchanging grace. And in every high and stormy gale, we need to understand that our anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant it's his blood that support me in the whelming flood and when all around my soul gives way he then is my hope and stay and then when he shall come with trumpet sound oh may i then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless and able to stand before his throne on Christ the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Open our hearts, us from within by the open
0: word. Though we've come to the end of our time with you today on the open word, you don't have to wait to hear more from Pastor David Landry. In fact, Pastor David's here to tell you more. Thanks, Chris.
1: The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take The Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical teachings with you anytime and anywhere.
0: Thanks, Pastor David. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast as well. As soon as we post a new message from The Open Word, you'll receive a notification. This way, you'll never miss an update. While you're on our website, you can learn more about what we believe as a ministry as well as find out ways to support us. One way is through prayer, something we're always grateful for. We need to make sure we're focusing first on Jesus, then on what we're creating. We want every edition of The Open Word to come from the Savior, not from us. Your prayers for us help us do this. Would you also pray for the listeners of The Open Word? Pray that hearts and ears would be open to Jesus and that the gospel will continue to spread throughout the earth. Thanks for praying and thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word.